Hey there, you are listening to the Famous Dead People podcast, the only podcast that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. We originally air as a radio show on Radio Free Brooklyn, so if you want to hear episodes the day they come out, that is every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. These episodes are great, but they're the previous episodes, they're the old episodes. You want that good, clean, new episode, you gotta go to Radio Free Brooklyn every Monday at 3 p.m. You're about to hear the episode where I interview Pope John Paul I, played by comedian Annie Moskowitz, and poet John Keats, played by comedian Joe Miles. It was a great interview. Uh, I want to remind everybody out there to go buy my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It is a real book where I make fun of Kellyanne Conway for like 150 pages. It is super duper funny, and I hope you will read it and laugh at it and tell your friends how great and funny it is. Um, and also, I want to I want to see what kind of reach this podcast has. I want to see if I have any any uh, potential to actually motivate my audience. So if you're listening to this episode of the podcast, I want you to do something. I want you to review the book on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. I want you to subscribe and leave a review of the podcast and rate the podcast. Send me an email at famousdeadpeople at radiofreebrooklyn.org or message me through my website, jaredberenstein.com. Just do something so that I know that you're listening, but do it after you are done enjoying this episode with John Keats and Pope John Paul I only on Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. It's time. Famous Dead People. Time to start the show. Famous Dead People. People you know. Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. Famous stories stuck in the heads. You're gonna hear my guests today on Famous Dead People are a teacher, religious scholar, and holy man from the 1970s, Pope John Paul I. Hey, Jared. Good to be here. And romantic poet from the 18th century England, John Keats. Hello. Mr. Keats, your holiness, welcome to Famous Dead People. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. It's great. It's really great to be here. Mm-hmm. So um, I'd like to start with you, um, Pope John Paul I. You are... Mostly famous for having only been pope for 34 days, which when I find that out, I was like, oh, that has to be the shortest time that a pope has ever been pope for. But it's actually not even close to the shortest. It's the 11th shortest. There was a pope, Pope John Urban, uh, sorry, Pope Urban uh, Seventh was only pope for 13 days. Does it bother you that this unique quality of yours isn't even like in the top 10 of shortest popes, did you, or, or did you just at least not want to be the shortest reigning pope of all time? Were you like, oh, thank God, at least I'm not Pope Urban the Seventh? No, I'm a real big record chaser. So, oh, okay. uh, you know, when I found out, they were like, oh, yeah, no, you're not even shortest, you're 11th. I was like, well, geez, I mean, if you're going to flame out early, you might mm-hmm. as well flame out the earliest, am I right? Yeah, so did it bother you you didn't die earlier then? Yeah, it pissed me off. <laughs> I wish I had fucking killed myself or something. <laughs> Seriously, I should I should have been coronated and then shot myself in the head, just like that, right there on the stage. That would have been that would have uh, definitely left a mark on history. People would have said, "Oh my God, that was that pope that killed himself." Yeah, I would have been like the Bud the Dwyer of popes. Bud Dwyer? Oh uh, yeah, it was this guy. I think it was a congressman from Pennsylvania. John shot- Keats, do you know who Bud Dwyer is? Uh, Bud Dwyer? Uh, no, I don't. Oh, okay. Yeah, so uh, Bud Dwyer. Maybe it's a Pennsylvania thing. I don't know, but. <laughs> Yeah, he like he was at a pre- he was he was uh, discovered he had some cr- some crime he was doing money laundering I don't know mm-hmm. and um, he was given a press conference and he takes out a Manila envelope like he's gonna read the statement as a gun and he shoots himself in the head. Whoa! In front of yeah! So, wow! I mean, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's really dark, but I mean, all, I think it says something that. We don't know who he is. Like, you're the only one that remembers who this person is. Yes, yeah, true. So even though this guy had a very um, intense death that was very public and very notable, it still just so like was a blip in history. But, but I do yeah. think that well, a you know, pope think... killing himself like on the on his first day of being pope that would stay with us. That would be like a new JFK assassination. Uh, yeah, know? I think so. It's, it's on the world stage, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. Bud Dwyer is like some Pennsylvania congressman. The reason I know <laughs> who Bud Dwyer is, because mm-hmm. you guys, you know what Faces of Death is? Faces of Death? Yeah, it's like this video series that came out in the 70s, and it was like, show, it was like real videos of people actually getting killed. That is monstrous. Do you what? know about this, John uh, Yeah, I know about that. You know about Faces of Death? Yeah, I love it. 
You so you watch Faces, Faces of Death also? Yes. This is so weird. It feels it's, like a thing that should not have existed in the past, but should be like a new thing for like 2017. But you're saying this is the thing of the 70s. It, it's, it's the original YouTube. It's right. <laughs> it's first YouTube. Yes, it was the original YouTube, and it was like you go in a video store, and if you want to rent it, you have to go back to the the porn section because it was back there so, where the porn was so dangerous. Oh yeah. wow. So I love Face of Death. That's how I know Bud Dwyer. So that was like one of the Faces of Death, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is bonk. So you'd have to like go to the video store and be like, "Hey, um, I got kind of a weird question. I don't know if this is. Uh, do you wouldn't happen to have Faces of Death rent, would you? Yeah, when you're the right pope. in the back, right in the back. <laughs> when, you're, the back. when you're the Pope, you got to be really discreet, okay? Mm-hmm. So no Pope vestments, nothing like that. You can't send the guy to do it for <laughs> you because you know you don't want to get out. So you really got to like put on some blue jeans, mm-hmm. like a lumberjack uh, flannel <laughs> uh, shirt. I just get out there and hope nobody recognizes now, you. Now, here's the thing. So you were only Pope for 34 days, but did you ever do something like that? Like, did you, were you ever, like, in your 34 days, like, oh, God, I'm just tired of being a Pope. I just want to go out and be a common person again so you would put on no more clothes and just walk around for a little bit? Oh, my God, all the time. In the first 34 days, you did this all the time? Yeah, it was exhausting, man, and I had to just get out. What was so, what was so tiring about being the Pope? Well, you know... One big thing is like, and I'm just gonna say this: like, not a lot of the Vatican people like they don't they don't really believe in God. Like, it's just like it's just <laughs> I'm like. Sorry, a, I'm sorry that that can't possibly be true. No, I'm You're serious. saying that the people in the Vatican don't believe in God. It's like, um, okay, like yeah, the Boston Red Sox, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they never win. Right? Is that right? They never. Well, I don't they know they have had a very famous losing streak. A lot of Boston teams have, but I heard. That we're like in a time period right now where Boston's actually doing really, really well. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, I would say historically, though, it's like working for the Boston Red Sox where mm-hmm. you work for them and you got to be like, oh, we're going to win, we're going to win, we're going to win. You know, but deep down, like the people who work there know like it's not going to happen, but you're keeping mm-hmm. up the charade for the fans. So you think that everybody in the Vatican, at least when you were Pope, nobody like really believed in God? They were just kind of paying lip service? Yeah, it was all just yeah. like, it was all just like, whatever interesting yeah yeah so i was exhausting so you're pretending all day at night you want to head out and get some teriyaki or something <laughs> you know you want to go to like not like a high-end japanese restaurant but like a like a like a medium range one where they also have chinese and thai food on the menu uh, yeah yeah those yeah. places they're they... That's usually not a good sign when they have uh, hold on. more than one different kind on. of Asian oh, right. food. No, I'm sorry, yeah. John Keesbury? I, I take all of my Asian foods right in the same restaurant. That's what I like. Really? Yeah. So everything. if you got you would you would eat sushi in a Chinese restaurant. I eat sushi and an egg roll together <laughs> as a meal. That's what I and like. And maybe some pad thai. Yeah, pad thai. Yeah, so right. throw in there. I got pad you and yakitori on the same plate. That you does, can't beat that. No, but the, Here's the thing is like um I, I don't wanna seem like I'm not an Asian person, obviously, but it's very I obvious. Don't. <laughs> it's pretty obvious. I, I I think that it's a little bit I don't wanna say offensive, but at least a sign that you're not doing one regional cuisine correct if you're trying to do every regional cuisine. Like, I wouldn't trust sushi at a place that also sold hamburgers, you know? And I feel uh, like it's well, a similar have, thing. Has you been to Applebee's? Dude, Applebee's does not have sushi. Applebee's has, has uh, oriental chicken salads. Right, right but it doesn't. All right, you oh. get that, and then you get a burger. Now, see, right? I, all right, that's, I would, that's for the whole neighborhood. I think that no, that's, yeah, that salad has those crispy Chinese noodles <laughs> in it. So. I think that's more. And oranges. I think that's, oh, yeah. that's more of like a whiteification of an Asian kind of food. Like it's, uh, I love, I love you, whiteification. You could, ar- you could argue. I, I love whiteification. Cultural too. appropriation, or also, also fusion. Like you could say, like a Chinese chicken salad is like a fusion item as opposed uh, okay. to. Okay. And every, so, <laughs> every Asian cuisine in the same restaurant is a fusion, then. Yeah, it's a fusion. I, I, well, that, you know. <laughs> I keep talking like a British guy. <laughs> Pope John Tolliver, do you have just like one of those brains where you just take whatever accent is like next to you? Oh, yeah, you? I'm a big mimic. I'm that one also. Like, I, I used to work at a restaurant with this woman who uh, had been, she was British, but she had been in this country for 25 years, still had her accent. And I, can't, I couldn't believe that, because if I went and lived in London for 25 years... I would eventually develop that accent, yeah, obviously. Like, drop it already. Yeah, you know? exactly. You're, you're here now, so just like... Come on, let, assimilate let it go, let it go. a little bit. Let it go. Get involved. All right, let's, let's talk about uh, John Keats for a little bit. So right. you were one of the main figures in romantic poetry. Oh, yeah. Uh, you currently are. Mm. But your work went largely unnoticed while you were alive. Is that is that a point of uh, shame for you? Like, did you miss out on 
having a different lifestyle had your work been a little bit more popular while you were alive? No, no. I didn't want to be famous for romantic poetry. What? Did you have something else you wanted to be famous for? Oh, yeah. Drinking. You wanted to be... I wanted to be like the the artist partier. Oh, okay. So you wanted to be the poet that shows up at the party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. here I am. Everyone's like, oh, fuck, John Keats is here. Chug. It's chug, 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 chug. chug. Like the uh, Spuds McKenzie of poets. Yeah, you could be like a, yeah. um, uh, Like a dog on a surfboard. Yeah, if he was like, oh my God, John Keats is here. Lock up your daughters, everybody. Here he comes, a party animal. He is going to break some windows and ruin some drapes. Yeah, he's keating off. That's what they used (laughs) to say. Keating off. Did you try to get that started? I tried, but it didn't work. (laughs) That is, uh, you know, blows my mind. So, So what was poetry like then for you? Was it just a means towards getting towards this this party lifestyle or was it just like a thing that you did for fun while you were trying to be a famous partier i used to buy uh porno mags mm-hmm. you know and then i would hide my poetry in between the pages of the porno mags okay so no one would see so no then one... it would just look like i was checking out drawings of tits <laughs> and, and keating off keating off <laughs> when really i was writing poems so you were ashamed that you were, were uh, writing uh, yeah, poetry. Yeah. Poetry's not cool. That's really uh, as, as bonkers. I mean, knowing the sacrifice that you made for poetry I in did. your life, I the did. fact that yeah. you were ashamed of it and mm. that you would rather be seen looking at pornography than writing your poems, that blows my mind. What's cooler than walking around looking at drawings <laughs> of tits all day long? Everyone sees you. You're John sitting Keating. out. You're right in public. <laughs> You're sitting around, you're reading books about tits. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's a cool guy. See, I would that's think... That's a guy I want to know. I would think that that would be something shameful because uh, no, no, no. it's almost as if you're saying, like, um, uh, you know, I can't... Uh, I don't have a girlfriend or something, so I have to take any moment that I can to look at boobs or, or naked women because I don't have exposure to it in real life. Like, that's... If I see somebody looking at pornography on the street, like, I think it's very gauche and it's very... Uh, I want—I want to say pathetic. It just feels like that to me. Maybe I'm a little conservative that way. That was actually kind of mean. Jimmy. Oh, I'm sorry, John Keating. Oh, oh Jesus uh, Christ! Really, uh, I just—I was—I was trying to be honest. I felt like um, I, I don't know. I don't want to. I wanted to get my oh, viewpoint out yeah. there. Oh, I never thought about it like well, that. I thought, uh, no, I, I was cool. I'm not saying that what you're saying was wrong. I'm just saying like you know. Uh, well, now you're making me feel bad about it. You know what, um, Pope John Paul the First? What do you think about this? Like, did you think that? Um, that a guy reading pornography down the street, cool, something to be ashamed of. Like, feel free to just spitball here. Yeah, if I saw a guy reading a tip book, I'd be like, you know, party on, dude. Nice. Okay, see? yeah, so you don't have to be ashamed right, of yourself. I'm starting to feel a little bit better. See, this is my own hang-ups. Uh, um, I mean, you I'm should see how much tit art we have at the Vatican. Yeah, that's It's is, all over the place. It is a little bit weird how it's kind of, if it's art, then it's allowed to be naked things in yeah. religious structures, you know? Oh, mm. they love their dicks. If I, yeah. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh, love them. We love dicks. There's Hanging a lot out. of nudity in the Vatican and yeah. stuff. I like it. Hmm? Oh, of course. I like it. Everybody, I like the Vatican. Everybody loves Oh, you love being in the Vatican? I love it. Oh, I know that you spent like the end of your life in Rome. I like, did. Did you, Were you ever able to make any trips to the Vatican? Oh, yeah. I went uh, regularly. Oh, okay. I would go and I would, uh, I would be looking at all the dicks and the tits, right? <laughs> and I would be pretending. I would say, uh, yeah, God, God knows how to make a dick. <laughs> but in my head. I was writing beautiful poems. Oh wow! So you, you know, we had a I had a policy put in place at the mm-hmm. Vatican. It in, was in your thirty-four days as the Pope. Yeah, a nude for every dude. That was the that was what it was. It was like a chicken in every pot. But uh, <laughs> so for every guy at the Vatican, everyone we would there would be at least one painting or mm-hmm. pamphlet or statue. Uh, someone nude. So you're saying for I'll every. Human being in the Vatican that worked at the Vatican, uh-huh. you would have at least well, one. Every male, every male, <laughs> every male, so nude for every dude. Well, yeah, well, actually, I'll talk, talk to you about that a little yeah. bit later. How conservative uh, your views were, at least by today's standards. Um, but I do want to ask you a little bit about your uh, your early life. Uh, so you were born in the Veneto region of northern Italy, uh, and the story goes that when you were ten years old, a, a Capuchin friar came to your village to preach the Lenten sermons, and from that moment on, you knew that you were going to enter the priesthood. Would you talk to us a little bit about that moment? Like, what was it about this Capuchin friar that so enchanted you, Pope, Paul, Pope uh, John Paul I? Well, the truth is, I was obsessed with Capuchin monkeys. You know, 
That's what I was thinking about. Yeah. The whole time you were saying that, I was like, isn't it Capuchin the monkey? Yeah, no, no, no. So I was like, I, I loved him. I think Capuchin monkeys are I'm like not the sure. little ones. I'm not sure if that is. Let me just double check that really quick. I'm okay, just going to yeah, get that you, quick. You Google that, you'll see Slip that I'm goo. correct. I think it's the little kind of monkey that like, mm-hmm. when the guy comes up with the wind-up box and he's like, do 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 Yeah, no. And the monkey, and he's a little monkey. Oh, yeah, right? uh, it's, it's a cute monkey, right? It's literally the it's exact a little same. adorable monkey. Exact same spelling. And it's a priest. I can't stop thinking about a monkey priest <laughs> so i this guy came mm-hmm. and i'm like oh capuchin capuchin priest what's this and he started talking about his sermon and i was like this is a man that can get me to monkeys <laughs> this is a man that can take me to more capuchin monkeys i wanted a, a capuchin france i wanted mm-hmm. a capuchin on my shoulder mm-hmm. i wanted a capuchin um like with his fingers and ink making drawings on on that parchment. That sounds really cute. It sounds really adorable. Yeah, super cute. So <laughs> I was really focused on that element of it. <laughs> well, I want to ask you more about that, but if you're just joining us, this is Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn, and my guests today are 18th century English romantic poet John Keats what? and one of the shortest reigning popes in papal history, Pope John Paul I, who was just telling us that um, this iconic moment from his childhood where he saw a Capuchin friar uh, in his village, and that was the reason why he wanted to become a priest, is actually because you made the connection between Capuchin friar and Capuchin monkeys, and you thought that this Capuchin friar would bring you to Capuchin monkeys? Is, am I... Am I? You got it. That is complete... So, so it wasn't the content of what he was saying at all. It wasn't any of the sermon. No, I heard Capuchin. I was like, <laughs> sign me up. <laughs> Okay, because it says it's very specific in the Wikipedia that it was the Lenten sermons that stirred you to the priesthood. Do you even know what the Lenten sermons are? No, I forgot. <laughs> uh, look, what you're reading on Wikipedia is what I told people. Gotcha. This was your spin. Yeah. Okay, I understand. So, so now, it's... how long did it take you in the papacy in rabbinic in um not rabbinical school? That's for Jewish people in um uh. What would you call? What do you call the school where you learn how to how to be a priest? Uh, seminary. 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 There you go. How long? How long into the seminary were you, were, did you become suspicious? Like, there's no monkeys around. You well, know? you know, I was. It took a while <laughs> because you get there and you start doing like the priest stuff, and then I'm like, okay, all right, the monkeys are gonna come. Just be patient. Just be patient. But I was like a little shy. I did not want to assert myself and mm. be like, where, when are the, when are the monkeys coming? You know. So I just buried myself in my studies, okay. hoping that one day these monkeys would come. And by the time I graduated, I like picked up my diploma. They give diplomas. <laughs> and I said to the principal, uh, I was like, so where are the capuchin monkeys? I'm sorry, you said to the principal of the principal of, of seminary? The seminary. Yeah. <laughs> He was the principal. No, I said it to the vice principal. <laughs> it's a good thing you corrected that. Yeah, a few. And I was like, where are the capuchin monkeys? And he's like, <laughs> they were inside you the whole time. Oh, yeah. that's uh, that's that's bullshit. That really is. I know. Like, he in, didn't have the balls to tell you that there were no capuchin monkeys in the capuch, capuchin friarhood. So he just he just lied to you. Just sort of fucking... Wizard of Oz. Yeah, pretty much. Uh. Tried to give me one of those things. And then um, later on, one of my friends who was a little bit more honest was like, you know, words mean different things in different contexts. <laughs> <laughs> and I I learned that lesson. All right. Yeah, that's a hard lesson to learn. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, it bothers me that you didn't ever get to live your dream of, of, of hanging out with the capuchin monkeys. But we'll get to that in a little bit. I'd like to go back to uh, John Keatser for a moment. So as a child, you were described as a volatile character. One of your childhood friends. Who said that? (laughs) One of your childhood friends. Hold on. You want me to to find it for you? All right. So yeah, we'll just give this a a quick Google here. Give me a fucking name. Your friend described you as, I want to make sure I'm quoting this correctly, um, always in extremes, uh, which I thought was kind of out of place for a romantic poet. And while while I'm looking for this person's name, like like does this ring true that you were always at extremes that no, you're a bit I of a don't volatile? Th- I don't character? think it is true. No? I don't think I'm very extreme. Well, yeah. And you know what? When you find out okay. who said that, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go to his fucking house 
I'm going to cut his fucking balls off. Oh, you see that? And I'm going to shove him right down his throat, well, all right? And well, then we'll see what's extreme and what's not extreme, all right? Well, that's a very extreme thing to is say. Is it extreme, it, though? It is. It, in what way? Pope John Paul I, would you please back me up here? That's a very extreme thing to say to then to threaten somebody with cutting their balls off and putting it down their throat just for calling you volatile, just for saying that you're extreme. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a little extreme, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, so maybe, maybe this person was being... <laughs> Are you crying, John Keats? <laughs> Why would you talk about me behind my back? You uh, know? Uh, yeah, I can, I can see how that would be really painful. <laughs> you can come and say it to my face. Yeah. Right? Do you want me to, like, check out for a sec? No, or? no. I, th- I think it's better that you're here. I feel like priests are a calming presence, oh, yeah. you know, and maybe this would be beneficial for John Keats to have somebody that um, he can... Yeah, let me try to calm him down, okay? Yeah, please please do, yeah. Um. Yeah, Mr. Keats, um... Imagine that there's a little capucha monkey on your shoulder, <laughs> and he's he's stroking the side of your forehead, your temple, and he's and he's and he's going. That's his way saying, "I love you." I quite like that. Yeah, do you feel better, John? I feel a little bit better. Yeah. So just just you know, I don't want to leave this as an unopened thread, but it was a friend of yours named Edward Holmes. I will fucking kill him. I will kill him. Wait, wait, let's, let's, listen, do, do you mind just telling me, like, uh, I don't want to stoke the fire here, but, like, can you think of anything in your childhood that would make him think that you were a volatile character? Uh, like, no, obviously, I was a great was... kid. I was a great friend. Uh, I guess maybe there was one time, and mm-hmm. it was one minor time. Okay. When I stabbed him a little bit. You stabbed your friend a little, Edward Holmes no, uh, yes. a little a bit. A little bit. Okay. Like barely. <laughs> like just like a little bit of the like if you compare what went in to what was still out. There was way more way out. Way more out there was than in. there was in. <laughs> okay. And so do you remember what he did that inspired you to do this tiny, tiny little stab on your friend Edward Holmes? Uh, we had a, a basket of crisps mm-hmm. and uh he was like, "That's a French fries, what we call French fries in, in America." No, no, it's yeah, potato chips. Oh, it was potato. Oh. You call them potato chips. Yeah, that's right. We call right. we call chips. We call what you call French fries. We call them chips. I got them confused. Yeah, we like yeah. to fuck with you. <laughs> All right, so yeah, you had this bag of uh, crisps. Right. All right. There was one left. All right. And you see where this is going. He he took. He the offered one... it to me. Oh, and I stabbed him, but Which... just like a little bit. That's not really not where it's I thought that story just was going. A little bit. Oh yeah, I, I mean, I, I think, was like, thank. It was like a thank you stab, right? You right. know, you understand. Um, I mean, I, I, it's not something that I would ever do, but I mean, well, I, think about it. I, all right, well, I can, I can kind of see the, uh, the logic there. If I, you know, it's, it's a little it's bit of like, stretch. I had the knife already, you know, because yeah, I was expecting him to take to say, the last to take last chip. Oh, you had he momentum. offered it to me, and at that point. Momentum. It was more momentum than yeah. anything else. I can completely understand that. Yeah, you, you. It's a little bit like when they say, you know, like we should decrease the funding for the army because when all these people build all these bombs and everything, like there's a part of a general psyche that's like, well, I have it now, I have to use it. Yeah, what am I going to do with this? Yeah, there's exactly. no other use for an so atomic bomb. You have this knife, and you're like, I'm going to stab it's somebody. Already with this knife. coming. So yeah. let's just let's just play this out. See how far it goes in. Not very far. Not- <laughs> Where on his body did you stab him? Do you remember? Uh, in the shoulder and the uh, leg. Wait, so you stabbed him in two places? Oh, uh, right. It was two, I guess it was two knives now that I think about it. I was Wait, going for a double knives. stab. <laughs> was it simultaneous? Like, you just kind of like, plow? Like... Jared, they were homemade crisps. All right. Oh, yeah, I, I can... Baked in me mum's oven. <laughs> Sorry, so your mom made potato chips? Yeah, baked, not fried. Okay, yeah. I mean, that room. sounds delicious. It really does. Um, so let me get, uh, we'll go back to uh, uh, Pope John Paul I here for a moment. So while you were uh, in the major seminary of Belluno, um, and I'm assuming this is before you you realize that uh, capuchin monkeys are not yeah, coming. Still laboring <laughs> under that myth. Yeah, capuchins and Belluno. <laughs> it's like a circus. It oh, really is. I also I just, just I making ch- that connection I chose right now. that seminary because I thought there would be a lot of balloons there. And oh god, this is breaking my heart, Pope John Paul I. When did you realize there were gonna no balloons at Belluno? That was like day one. <laughs> 
Yeah, there were no balloons. So you had the freight, you had the, the the presence of mind to be like, "There's no balloons here," but I, still naive enough that you were like, "But the monkeys are coming." Yeah, well, I kind of thought that at graduation, when we would all get our diplomas from the vice principal, that. There are all these I balloons. I still can't believe that that's a thing. Balloons <laughs> would rain down from the ceiling. No, it was true. I mean, look, every morning we had study hall. <laughs> and then uh, we had an elective period. Then we had gym. An elective period? Yeah. Then we had. It's very progressive. Then we had uh, lunch. Okay. Well, let's, we don't have Social to go through the studies. whole, okay, the whole right. schedule well, you, that okay. you had at seminary. I had no idea what was next. But, all right. <laughs> um, so here's what I wanted to ask you. So, so you're at the major seminary at Belluno. Uh, you attempted to join the Jesuits, but you were denied. And I wanted to know, first of all, why you wanted to, to then move to the Jesuits, but then also if you were ever given a reason why you were denied being a Jesuit. Yeah, well, so you know how like a high school has like factions, like the nerds and the, oh, cool yeah, the kids jocks and, the, and uh, yeah. the chess club, the French kids, that sort of thing. The well, porno boys. The por- <laughs> I don't, that might be. This one, right? The, the the boys that just walk around reading reading porno all the time. Need the yeah. cool ones. Yeah, all right, yeah, sure. Absolutely. I'm sorry, Pope John Paul first. No, well, the Jesuits were the porno boys of uh, of the seminary, and so they know, were the cool ones. They were in real the cool. You could call them the porno boys. They had some lithographs that were a little spicy. Mm-hmm. So, so they literally had pornography. The Jesuits. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They were like trading it around and like like. They were like trying. It was like an arms race. Who could draw the hotter lithograph? You know. <laughs> so I was like, man, that sounds cool. I went in mm-hmm. on that. You know, and I also, I mean, it's important to mention, like, so you were going to seminary in like the uh, the nineteen forties, nineteen fifties, like around that time period. So yeah, like, but you were still drawing your pornography. Yeah, they were still seminary. Lithi- they were still lithographs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we were honoring the old way tradition, so, obviously. The yeah, yeah. The, the Catholic Church is very big on tradition. So I drew something that I thought was kind of hot to see if I could, like, join, right? Because mm-hmm. I wanted to, like, prove I could play the game. Yeah. And what I drew was um, it was an old man, and he was oh, naked, my. and he was <laughs> sitting on his patio, mm-hmm. signing himself, reading the paper, and... um. And then, like, feeding a bunch of capuchin monkeys on the ground. It was, like, a nice scene. Okay. And I sent it to them, and they were, like, they sent me back some notes. They are like, if you want to join the Jesuits, you got to make some hot shit. None of this slice of life bullshit. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So I, 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 I was really hurt, you know? <laughs> like, I was like, yeah, I could, I could sit here and draw, like, two chicks, like, scissoring or something (laughs) like i could do that yeah but like it's not i want to like be true to myself and also be hot Mm -hmm. so it was like nope sorry and so so you refused to back down from what you thought was your your true ideal of what something sexy was of this naked old man yeah it's not that i find old men feeding capuchin monkeys it's that it's like i want to be there's like a sexuality like in an in, in older sexuality that like, you know, as we grow up, we don't become less sexual. We stay sexual, mm. you know, if you can accept that. Right. Okay. And that's why I found this so, so nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's interesting just because, I mean, I know that you had some very conservative beliefs as a pope. You know, uh, and as a bishop, obviously, uh, as a bishop, obviously. Um, and so to have this open idea of of pornography, but also what pornography could be. It seems a little out of character. I mean, forgive me for saying that, obviously. No, it's fine. I mean, look, I had a like a public life and a and a private life, right? Uh, so, yeah, yeah uh, gotta play the Pope game, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> You know, hell, I only could do it for 30-some days, right? So yeah, of course. It was tough, you know? It's not who I was, but, you know, you, you wear the crown, you gotta wear the ideology. I mean, I suppose that um, uh, I, I've never been in the papacy, so I don't know what that lifestyle is like. But I can I can imagine that, yeah, you got to have your 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 stage life, you know, and you got to have your not stage life. Like, you know, comedian's not going to be funny all the time. You know, he's got to have his down moments when he's being serious or, you know, watching oh, Moonlight like or whatever. Oh, you don't think so, I John Keats? I don't like that. You don't like that? I don't like that. What? I believe you. It might be true. I'm not mm-hmm. a comedian. Yeah. But if I meet a comedian, he's not funny. I'm like, 
Get the fuck away from me. Wait, so is that you across the board? You think everybody who does has a job should be doing that job? Uh, all no, the time? you shouldn't be picking up garbage nonstop if you're a garbage <laughs> man. But shit, I want to laugh. Mm-hmm. Huh? Well, I mean, you know, I, I don't think that's fair. Like, how would you feel if I told you you had to be writing poetry twenty four seven? Oh, I am. Mm-hmm. I've uh, been writing poems the entire time. I've actually been, been wondering what you've been doing with your hands this I'm entire time. Poem. It's even like 27 pages of poetry right now. That yeah. is really impressive. I'm just, it's just a stream of consciousness. Well, you know what? I actually want to take a look at some of that, but we're going to take a really quick break. Um, so we'll be right back on Famous Dead People with Pope John Paul I and John Keats. Stay with us. Famous Dead Everybody just want to take a quick break from the show to remind you to subscribe to Famous Dead People on iTunes or whatever app you use to listen to podcasts, rate us five stars, leave a comment, tell your friends all about us. That stuff helps us out a whole bunch. Yeah, I recommend the show to your friends. I don't see why you wouldn't do that since you like it so much. Uh, feel free to hit us up anytime you like at FamousDeadPeople at RadioFreeBrooklyn.com. You can send us feedback or if you have a Famous Dead person that you want to have on the show, I would love to accommodate you a fan of the show and put your favorite Famous Dead person on here. Also, go out and buy my book, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It's super funny. Go buy it at a bookstore. Go buy it online. It is available to order right now. And lastly, if you really like the show and you want to send us some money, go to RadioForBrooklyn.com slash FamousDeadPeople and click on the Sponsor This Show button. All those donations help to keep awesome content like Famous Dead People on the air. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the podcast. Welcome back to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. Famous Dead People, the only show that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. I'm your host, Jared Berenstein, and we are here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. My guests in the studio today are one of the shortest reigning popes in papal history, Pope John Paul I, and 18th century English romantic poet John Keats. And uh, before we went on the break, uh, John Keats was talking about how he believes that um, comedians specifically should be doing their job all the time. And then I said, well, what about you? How would you feel about writing poetry all the time? And he said he did. And just in the just in the time that we've been in the studio right now, he's written like 30 pages of poetry, which yeah, is well, very impressive. It's, uh, yeah, it's yeah. one long poem. Well, the thing is that I find really incredible about this is like you have a style that, you know, the romantic style, it really just seems like all of your famous poems are just talking about like really nice days, mm. you know, like you oh. talk about like rolling hills and, and bubbling streams and stuff like that. And uh, and this this poem that you wrote right here, it's very much true to that romantic style. Yeah. You know, yeah. would you mind just, just giving us a couple of lines uh, from this incredible poem that you wrote just just sitting here in the studio right now? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So uh, I'll just start at any page, I guess. Yeah. Any, anywhere you like. All Go right. ahead. Uh, rolling hills. Babbling brooks, dogs barking in the fogs, a large man, a small woman, a long embrace, too long. What's happening? A staircase. Ooh, actually, I haven't gotten to this part of the poem yet where it's not even talking about the hills anymore. Wow. A kiss goodnight, and everyone goes home to sleep. Is the that, that yeah, that's yeah. the very end of the poem? Yeah, yeah. Oh, At the wow. end of that one, they just go home. That is, yeah, that is beautiful. They've just been on the date. Shivers. That's incredible. Yeah. That that was a that was a new John Keats poem for those of you who are just joining. Yeah, us. It was just a piece of it. No, it's great. It's wonderful, and I think it's really interesting how you kind of veered away from the uh, idyllic imagery that is so common in your poetry. Well, you know, it's been a long time. Obviously. Yeah, are are you starting to branch out now? Are oh, you doing I'm trying out of... different things? Like this yeah, one was about a date. That that one poem that we just read is about a large a man who went on a date with a small woman. Oh, okay, uh, a kiss, a kiss, good night. A kiss, good night. That makes it, you know, I'm seeing it now as we're talking about it. A long embrace. I didn't really stress how long the embrace was. They were hugging too for too long, long. right? Yeah. Okay. She was getting a little creeped out. Oh, she she wasn't crazy about she how long was not, this embrace was. She did not enjoy. You know what I feel? I feel like we need more poetry where women are being creepy because that happens. Oh, you know, like that's a re- that's a real thing that uh, happens, yeah, right? Well, yeah. Did you enjoy poetry when you were uh, when you were you know in the seminary or in the papacy at all, uh, Pope John Paul the First? I you know I actually wrote some poetry when I was pope. Really? Yeah, because like well, so in the thirty four days that you were pope, I just want to be clear about this. Yeah, you would 
write poetry mm-hmm. and also instituted a policy where there had to be one nude for every guy that worked in the Vatican. One nude for every dude, And yeah. also you would frequently dress up like a regular person to walk around I'll because you were tired of how nobody else in the Vatican believed in God. Yeah, I'll go to that All Asian right. fusion. Well, it's something I'm not telling you. So you're Pope for like 12 hours a day and then the other 12 hours is your personal time. It was the 1970s. Okay. I was doing a fuck ton of quaaludes. You were doing quaaludes in the Vatican as the Pope? Yeah, when you're a Pope, like they're like, all right, here's your bishops, here's your monsignors, and here's your drugs guy. That is... They, they give you a drug dealer, the yeah, Vatican. Yeah, yeah, they're like, yeah, you want anything? Uh, he's your... Uh, they call it the apothecary to make it like sound old. Oh, right, yeah, to make but, it sound more legitimate, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, he gets... Oh, God, I had a lot of quaaludes. Oh, shit. <laughs> I mean, I, one night, I, you ever see Wolf of Wall Street when, oh, like, yeah. when, when, when uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, like, takes, like, a lot of them because he thinks they're expired, and then they all kick in at once? Yeah, and he can't do anything. I was, <laughs> I had a couple nights like that. You but had a few nights like that. That's the night I did my best poetry. Really? Yeah. Would you mind, I'm, I, I, I hate to put you on the spot here, but you wouldn't happen to have this poetry on you, would you? Oh, uh, yeah, let me see here. Okay, so uh, just Pope John Paul I is going to bring up, well, you weren't on Quaaludes at the time that you were writing this, were you? Uh, uh, yes. So, Oh, so this is a Quaalude-induced poem by Pope John Paul I that he wrote in the, in the 34 days that he was Pope. You yeah. should be on drugs when you write a poem. Were you, were you on drugs when you were writing poetry, John o- Keats? Opium. You were on opium. Lodium. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Al- alcohol. And alcohol also. Of course. Interesting. I wonder what the, the effect of those two together would be. Oh, it's just it's more... Poetry. Right, <laughs> poetry. Romantic poetry. All right, so you, so you have a poem up for us, John? Uh, yeah, you ready for us? Yes, please. It's going to blow your mind. Okay. I was on a lot of quaaludes. Okay. Okay. Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, Amazon, FaceTime. Whoa, hold on a second. I'm sorry, I don't want to interrupt this poem, but are you aware... Pope John Paul I, that all of the, that every line of poetry in this poem that you wrote in the 1970s, in 1978, yeah. w- is now a very famous website or app? Oh, I'm very much aware. How, wait, what do you mean you're aware? I was in a, well, I, uh, I did some research very quickly, uh, <laughs> but um, no, I was in what's called a hypnagogic state. You know what that is? Hypnagogic? Hypnagogic state. Had yeah. you ever heard of this, John Keats? Oh, I've never heard that word. I Hypnagogic. Like Hypnagogic state. Yeah, you can Google it. It's like when you are trancing so hard <laughs> that you are actually seeing the future. Wow. Yeah. So you, Pope John Paul I, would take a ton of quaaludes and actually see the future and then write poetry about it? Yeah. And yeah. so your poem was just... The websites that you saw when you were in the future? I didn't know what they were. They were <laughs> words coming at me on stone tablets written in flaming letters. Wow. I didn't know what they meant, mm. but I wrote them all down. Wow. And so what, did, did you show this po- poem to anybody while you were while you were in, in the Vatican? No, I was embarrassed about them, honestly. Mm. I mean... You so- and John Keats were both embarrassed about being poets, well, it seems. Just, you have this thing in common cool here. Until you did. Mm, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I feel like there are Who's poets. Who's a cool living poet? Well, not living now, There's not one. But like any, There's lots of poets alive right now. Any musician who's like a singer songwriter, you could argue bollocks. is like a really cool. No, 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 it's not, Jared. <laughs> Give me some credit. Like I was, I was thinking. My immediate, my first thought is Jim Morrison. You know, oh. like he was. I'm going insane with rage over what you're saying <laughs> right now. Is it, um, I'm so sorry, Pope John Paul I, would you mind calming down John Keats again for okay, me? Just, all right. He's very volatile. He's all really right. extreme. You've got a capuchin monkey, right? And he is grasping your face like a face hugger from Aliens. <laughs> but he's he's rubbing it soft. He's rubbing it so soft. And he's saying, I love you. All right, I'm all better. All right. Whew. Sorry for yelling at you, Jim. No, that's okay. You know, I mean, you know, let's let's talk a little bit more about uh, about you, John Keats, because I I understand that from the Wikipedia, you were very nearly a doctor. That's correct. Oh yes, what? All right. So you finished basically all of your training, but at the end, you announced that you were going to be a poet instead of a doctor. That you were giving up being a doctor in favor of being a poet. Is right. that correct? Yes. Okay. Uh, I was. Uh, I don't like blood. All right. I don't like. Um, People okay. wanting things from me, you mm-hmm. know? Right. make me better, make me better. Oh, I don't know how. Yeah, that's you know? really annoying. You gotta understand, Jared. Medical practice back mm-hmm. then was 
pretty primitive. Yeah. You know? Yeah, what definitely. can I do? I saw your leg off. And leeches. That was usually the answer. Yeah. Or leeches. Yeah. That's gross. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hold a leash. Do you? No, no, no I really don't want to no. hold a leash. You know, it's easy writing the poem. I've written 40 pages of poetry. Mm-hmm. Just, just since sitting, we've been just here. sitting here. Yeah, it's very it's impressive. Yeah. And I'm famous for it. You're famous now. You're famous now for it. Yeah, uh, well, you know. Better late than never, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, but why would you then train to be a doctor for so long uh, if you hated it so much? You know, just to uh, to meet uh, ladies. So you were just study. You were just studying to be a doctor so that you could meet women while you were secretly being an ashamed poet. Is that right? Yeah, I would show up uh, to medical school, mm-hmm. pull out my ponel mags, start reading them. Okay. You know, hey, I'm cool. I'm learning about medicine. I'm reading about tits. Really? Poetry. Okay. And what were people's reaction to I'm sorry, Pope John the Paul? No, I was just gonna say, same for me. I this sounds stupid. <laughs> sounds real stupid. But I went in a seminary to meet chicks. It's like one of the reasons. Wait, I thought that it was the capuchin monkeys. It was. Oh my seminary. god, no, that was primary reason. But secondary directive, meet chicks, which is kind of silly because you're like, you're going to seminary, it means no more women for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, people want what they can have. Yes. Exactly. Oh, so there's like a like a like a fetish thing a for you, woman. like you were teasing yourself. No, no, the women. <laughs> Listen, Jared, please pay attention. The women mm-hmm. see the man, okay, who can't be with them. It can't be had, and they want that. Okay, but then, you want what you can have. Well, I understand this in the Pope's case, right? Like this is he's a, he's going to be a man of the cloth, so he can't be with a woman. Right, and so were there women that were like throwing themselves at you, Pope John Paul the first, and and you were like, you were into that? Is that what you're saying? No, I never really happened. <laughs> I was oh, so this plan completely failed. Oh, it failed. I mean, look, if if you're like a skeezy guy, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you're pope. It doesn't matter if you're a doctor. You're you're a skeezy pope. You're a skeezy doctor. Gotcha. So yeah. you, Pope John Paul the first, you were a creepy guy. That women didn't want to be around, and so your plan to meet women by being a priest completely failed. Yeah, I, I learned a lot about myself and, like, status. <laughs> oh, I'm just curious about, like, where you thought in your brain the next phase of that plan went. Like, what if it worked, and these women were, like, approaching you and stuff, and you were just like, well, I'm a, I'm a priest now. Would you just then give up your vestments and just, like, go be with these women, or would you just play no. the game some more? Oh, secret, secret sex. Oh, yeah, gotcha. Gotta have secret sex. That's, so in in uh, your time. Oh, yeah. Everybody was doing it. I mean, secret sex. So many priests, so many seminary students, so many pops were having secret sex. Oh, so everybody in, in the papacy was just like, they, they weren't actually taking a vow of celibacy? Yeah, I mean, a, a, a outwardly a vow, inwardly as like a fuck fest. <laughs> It was it was gross. No surprise. That it is was bonkers. I can't believe that. Is it? Are you surprised? I'm very surprised. What's the first thing you think of when you think of a priest? Well, not with a. I mean, it, yeah, it's, you're right. You think of something sexual, don't you? Oh, I, I do, but it's oh, not. Yeah, I forgot. It's right. <laughs> Let me just say for the record, that part of it I had nothing to do with. I mean, it really seems like you had a very open and liberal idea as to how much a priest could have sex. Did you? Did that extend to the? rampant pedophilia that we now know was in the Catholic Church? No, no, it didn't. Look, okay. <laughs> no. I, I would be lying if I said I didn't know that some things were going on. Okay. Okay. You can't not know. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's just like if you were working in the Clinton administration, mm-hmm. you know he's... You know what he's doing. Everybody know. Open secret, right? Mm-hmm. You can't know. But um, that, like, was not my thing, <laughs> you know? Okay. Yeah, like, that's fair. Yeah, so I'll just say that... Um, ugh. See, this is why I'm so glad I'm not Pope anymore, because I don't have to fucking public relations defend mm-hmm. the church. It's yeah, like, this is an open space. Like, uh, you're allowed to talk about anything that you want in here. Yeah, well, okay, um, like John Keats, for example, just admitted that he was a poet instead of just a dude walking around reading pornography. I'm That's sorry, right. it's my shameful secret, but <laughs> I am. I'm a poet. And you know what? I'm not going to be ashamed anymore. No, I don't think you should. I didn't think you ever should have been ashamed of that, I'm John I'm not Keats. ashamed anymore. Nice. I'm a poet. Wow, you are glowing right now. This is wonderful. I've seen a real turn uh, in you here. 
Ugh. I'm sorry, John Paul the first. You were saying. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm very preoccupied with how to go forward with this topic of conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, as, uh, I, as you know, uh, we don't have to be ashamed of what we're talking about here in the studio. This is an open space. You know, nobody can hurt you now, Pope yeah. John Paul the first. It's 2017. Okay, I said a nude for every dude. All right. And I meant like, um, I just meant like healthy adult sexuality. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's great. But like, I didn't put like caveats on that. Like, uh, uh, like a caveat, like for example, definitely no children. Like yeah, a new for every dude, definitely no kids. Okay. Like, I didn't. I didn't do that. You don't think you have to do that, right? Well, you shouldn't have to think that you have to do that. It's uh, it's something that we should all know. Of it course. Be a given. You know. It should be a given. So well, I'm sorry. It should be a given. A given. For a second, I thought you said it should be forgiven. Oh, and I was like, yeah, I, no, well, no, it should not be forgiven. Uh, well, you know, every if you just ask for forgiveness in the Catholic Church, you're supposed to just get it, right? Yeah, well, I guess. But you have to show repentance. You're not allowed to then go and do it again. Well, what's repentance? You know? What is that? By what, the way, repent- I had I, another. I'm sorry. I had, I had another. A- uh, I had another phrase. I was a lewd for every dude. A lewd for every dude? Yeah. What does that mean uh, exactly? Quail- 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 lewd. Oh, right. That's when I was, I was like 29 days on the door, <laughs> on the on death's door when I came up with that one. All so. right. Well, let me ask you, uh, we'll go back to John Keats's life for here uh, for a moment. So, um, you, I understand, when you were 21 years old, you were eligible for money that had been left in a trust for you, which was 9,000 pounds back then, which in today's money would be like half a million pounds. Um, but according to Wikipedia, you never picked up the money, even though it would have helped you immensely. Like, you lived so much of your life in destitute, just like really desperate. Wait, 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 hold on. What? Wait, so you, don't, you still don't even know that you had, oh, had what? half a million pounds waiting for you in today's money. Wait, what? Just waiting for you to pick up and you just never picked Where it up. Where was it? It was in a trust. A tr- yeah, that your, I- that your uh, father left you, I believe. Nobody told me. So you still... Well, didn't know that. So just nobody told you that it existed? Oh, you know what? 21 was a, was a big year. What do you mean it was a big year? Oh, I was... Uh, oh, ah, I can't believe it. <laughs> I got really into horses. You got really into horses? Horses, yes. So you were just too busy with horses to... I was, like, obsessed. Okay. I was sleeping in the stables. Mm-hmm. I was brushing them nonstop. And so you were just so busy that... But, but, but... Think, thinking back, do you remember people trying to tell you about this? Uh, you know what? My friend Eddie... Okay. He did mention something about that. He said, this is Edward he said, Holmes. Oh, yeah, Edward Holmes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. from earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had that 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 thing with the crisp and I stabbed him. And he stabbed him twice with a two. Yeah, yeah. Well, this isn't like that. This was uh, we was uh, I was in the stable. Mm-hmm. He came by. Yes. And uh, he was petting me horse, and okay. he said, "Oh, I forgot to mention, it's about this nine thousand pounds th- that you got. It's mm-hmm. just waiting for you." And the knife was already on its way to him. <laughs> and I stabbed him. So you were, I'm sorry, you were playing with your horses in the stable. Yeah. Your friend comes by, right? And he was right about to tell you about this trust. We have all this money. At this point, I don't know what to think about Eddie <laughs> because why is he still even coming around? You know, I yeah. stabbed him twice. Yeah, that's a really good one, at one time. That's a great question. I don't know. So I stabbed him again, and uh, I feel bad about that. Now, I thought he was going to ask me for money. Instead, he was he telling was, you that you had I had, I had all a this lot of money. money just sitting around. Well, wow, to be, to be fair, I am kicking myself. Maybe now. if you had gotten the money, he then would have asked you for that money. So maybe Who you knows? just like skipped Who steps, knows? like maybe just went from yeah. A to C, you know? Wow. Uh, what if, a big bumbling <laughs> buffoon I am. For those of you who are just joining us, you're listening to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. And my guests today are romantic English poet from the 18th century, John Keats. And religious scholar and teacher, Pope John Paul I. Um, And I'd like to ask you um, a little bit about your poetry, John Keats, because it is, as we talked a little bit about this earlier, characterized by sensual imagery of nature. Mm. Um, Like the the motivation of a lot of your most famous work, just very descriptions of like really nice days outside, clouds, rolling hills, that sort of thing. Is that what you were intending or is there like a deeper meaning to these idyllic landscapes that you're painting with your words? Uh, no, it's no deeper meaning. No, landscapes d- make me horny. Oh, so I'm sorry. So landscapes make you of course, yeah. horny. They don't for you? They really don't. Look no, at a mountain. Well, they make me feel very at peace. Sit, you know? sit just sit quietly okay. with no one around and look at a mountain and pull your pants down <laughs> and see if anything happens. I know. Right? I see uh, like a titty. You see a titty when you see yeah. a mountain. Right? I mean, hey, it's a peak. A mountain. <laughs> I see it. It doesn't take much. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it's. I, I think it's a little bit of a stretch, you know. Uh, Again, well, if you have pornography, if you have drawings. I don't like that. I was just looking at the pornography to cover up me poem. And to look cool. I because, don't like tits. So your poetry was then, in a sense, a type of pornography. Like you were writing your own pornography in other pornography. Jared, you finally understand me. You're the only one. N- nobody else has got Nobody this. else gets this. Wow, that is bonkers, man. So wait, so you know, you had a couple of relationships with uh, with different women. There was uh, a woman named Isabella Jones. Yeah, right. Uh, she was your first girlfriend, according mm. to Wikipedia. And then there was a, a woman named Fanny Braun. Ah, Fanny Braun. Um, who you wanted to marry also. Um, did you have any kind of attraction to these women, or did you see them as like extension of these rolling landscapes and yeah, some is uh, and and beautiful horizons? Yeah, it was just kind of blocking my view, is what I thought of them. Really? Yeah, like. You know, you you gotta play the game, right? Okay. Right? Like the Pope said, you gotta play the game. You know? <laughs> All right, I'm a romantic. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna get married to a woman named Fanny. What's All more right. womanly than a woman named Fanny, right? That's true. That's it's really like a true. bum, mm-hmm. right? It does sound like a you bum. You understand? Yeah. yeah. So I did that. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. But really, come on. Look at the tree. It was all Look at the about, tree and tell me that's not... all about the, nature for you. Tell me that's not the bloody hottest thing you've ever seen I, in your I life. Just, it just doesn't do it for me. A tree, just, Jerry. You know, it's... Listen, here's the thing about this interview. I think that we need to just... That we need to get on the table here. And, you know, there's no right or wrong answer. Like, that's how you feel. This is how I feel. You know, I think I just maybe have a little bit more of a conservative traditional sexuality where I view pornography as something that you look at at home and it doesn't make you cool and also that the thing that's hot about pornography is the naked women inside whereas you no. think that pornography is cool to look at outside but also you're only turned on by hills and trees and rocks and things like that Some, if I want to get turned on by pornography it's mm-hmm. got to be like an outdoor shot mm-hmm. you know Girls rolling around and on you're a blanket, just looking at the things behind and just the put, women. I just put a couple of fingers right where she is, mm-hmm. cover up. Yeah, and then if you look around, that it's trees everywhere and grass. And if see- we if we were on Quaaludes right now, we would be <laughs> agreeing on everything. It would be so fun. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not saying we don't have to agree though. Like that's that's uh, uh, one of the beautiful things about being a human is that we can all have our different sexualities and things that we really enjoy. I don't want you either of you to think that I'm judging you for the, uh, you know, rampant sexuality in the Vatican or your sort of new and different sexual attraction to hills and rocks and trees and things like that. Like there's no judgment oh, here. What about rocks? <laughs> rocks is your favorite. Oh, wow. <laughs> I just used to call Quaaludes rock. Rocks. It was like one of the street names for me. Hey, man, you got rock? How much for 50 rocks? That's confusing because crack cocaine is called rocks also. Yeah, well, this was before the days that's before. That's right. Crack, so, that's right. Yeah. Crack really didn't come into the scene until like the 70s and 80s. And now I... you, you can't get ludes anymore, but you can get crack. Can you not get ludes anymore? I have tried. Since I have been defrosted, I have <laughs> tried. I basically asked everyone I've come in contact with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I woke up in a hospital. And so, so your first thing was like, let me get some ludes here. Let me get some ludes, man. All right. Yeah. Well, um, let me ask you this, uh, Pope John Paul I, because you have, like we said before, you were famously found dead in your room after only 34 days of being the Pope, and it is assumed that you died of a heart attack. Can you either confirm or deny that for us? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I died from a... Um, not quite the heart attack, no. That's, okay. That's a lie. I died... F- you were I, really keeping us on the edge of our seat here. I know. First. I know. I was, like, crushed by a large object. You were crushed by a large object, and that's how you died? Yeah, but not just enough so <laughs> that, like, my body didn't look like it had suffered any trauma. Um What happened... That is very specific. I know. Uh, uh, I'm going to explain this to you right now. Um, what happened was I was, um, hanging out with one of my classmates from seminary school Mm -hmm. and we were trying to like push our, like we were watching faces of death and we were like, we saw this guy in one of the videos and a, uh, large stone block fell on him. He was like a mason and he just crushed him. And I was like, fuck, like, imagine being that close to death. Like, what are you thinking right before it dies? Mm -hmm. My friend was like. Let's rig up a large stone block 
like on a pulley system mm. and then I'll slowly lower it down on you and like you'll be like, oh my God, and you'll feel it and it'll be such a fucking rush, man, right? So we did that and it took. we had to call like 12 people to make it happen. We were trying to be discreet, <laughs> but it's a lot of work, but we did. And then he's lowering the block on me, right? It was just me and him. And I'm like, yeah, man, I feel it. I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. And then he, and then he lowered it and it like crushed my nose a little bit mm-hmm. and my mouth so I couldn't breathe but he didn't realize and he just like left it there for like 60 seconds <laughs> and then he was like all right man how was it how was that shit? oh no you know so you were actually suffocated like it wasn't that your body was crushed yeah it was basically the same as if somebody had covered your mouth and nose for a long time yeah it just took a lot more work and time and money <laughs> it took 12 people and 12 people do you remember what big the hot rook and a big oh was it a rock that you that had suffocated you yeah it was a big it was a big slab of stone. Oh, wow. Well, this yeah. would have really done it for you then, John Keats, yeah. right? That's how I want to go. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that that would have given you just a giant erection if somebody had tried to smother you with a rock? I mean, I can't even imagine. That has like, to be. It's worth it. That has to it's be worth like. worth it to be dead. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. That has to be the equivalent of like a woman sitting on a man's face. I'm just trying to like translate this yeah. for people who don't have your sexual nah, uh, proclivities. That's, that's disgusting. Dude, <laughs> it's disgusting. <laughs> All right, you yeah, you prefer to have it be a big rock or a big tree or something like that. Interesting. Well, then let me talk. Let's ask you about how you died then, because obviously it wasn't anything sexual in nature the way that it was for the Pope. Fortunately, uh, well, no, it wasn't for the Pope. The Pope was just trying to feel what it was like to be crushed. Other people would say that that was sexual. You you would say that was sexual. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but you died of tuberculosis. Um, uh, and you were sent to Rome to go recover, but it wasn't 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 working. And you just started started crying whenever you would wake up not dead. You were so upset that you hadn't just died yet. Was was it really that your pain was was really strong, or did you just have like this this innate feeling that your time on Earth had passed away already? Oh, I was just uh, you know I was like, oh, this is boring. I'm inside, mm-hmm. cooped up. You know, yeah. Let me get out of here. You know, Let what's me on the dead. other side? Yeah. What is out there? Where mm. am I going to go? Will I be resurrected as maybe a tree? So that it's not so weird when I'm popping an erection <laughs> looking at a tree. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, if you're a tree also. I'm a tree as well. Everybody is cool. Mm. I'm a tree. Let's see what you got under them leaves there, right? Yeah. You know what I mean, Jared? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, your just your just desire was to die as quickly as possible so that you could be reincarnated. Nothing as... could be worse for me than to die indoors. Yeah, and that's what happened. That's yes. real shame. That is real shame. And I also read that you you had a friend who had uh, opium, and that you were really excited about doing the opium. Right. But he took it away from you and was like, "No, you're going to get better instead." Yeah. Well, there's a little bit of a story behind that. That would that wouldn't have yeah. to be. It was Eddie. Mis- it was my Eddie friend Holmes Eddie. already. Yeah, yeah, it was. He okay. came to uh, visit me. All right, uh, so you're in Rome trying to recover from tuberculosis. The, I, I visited the Vatican. I was like, please let me either not die of mm-hmm. t- tuberculosis. Okay. Or, hold on, that's my alarm. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, of course. Yeah. Sorry. It's time <laughs> it just goes it. off if you get too sexually aroused by yeah, nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. i got to uh, keep it under control because I still have tuberculosis a little bit. Okay. You, know? you never get rid of it. Yeah. It's with you for life. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Eddie came mm-hmm. by to see me all the way to Rome. Okay. Popped in. How you doing? What's up, mate? You feeling all right? Mm-hmm. How's your tuberculosis? It's pretty bad, right? Mm-hmm. I said, hey, Eddie, how's it going? What's, what's up with the trees? How's mm-hmm. the trees looking? He said, they're looking good. Sun's up. I was like, oh, the sun. <laughs> got hot, you know. <laughs> then reaches in his pocket. Mm-hmm. He's got opium for me. To give you. It's going to take away all my pain. Yeah. Right? I'm, and I mean, what a friend, right? Yeah, Can we course. just reflect he on He seems what a like a good guy. Anyway, the knife was already <laughs> moving towards him. I couldn't stop it. Really, saw and that I mean, <laughs> slamming on the brakes when you when you got tuberculosis, you can't breathe too well. Can't you know what I mean? How many times you stabbed this poor guy, and it goes in, mm-hmm. and I mean, I stabbed him in the arm that was in his pocket, and he mm. pulls out his his arm from his pocket. I see he's got opium. Mm. It's not anything nefarious. I thought it was going to be. You know, I'm like, yeah. what is he here to do to me? I've mm-hmm. stabbed the man now. It's real four shame. times. Gee, I mean, I would feel bad if I had been that. Uh, uh, if I'd stabbed a friend of mine who seemed like he was a good guy that many times. I mean, every time afterwards, I'd say, why do I, why do I keep doing this to, to my friend Eddie? 
He's yeah. a good guy. Yeah, well, I'm head. sure we've all learned from that mistake then. Yeah, right? yeah, that's true. Uh, unfortunately, that is all the time that we have for this week's episode of Famous Dead People. I'd like to thank my guests, uh, Pope John Paul I and hey. uh, John Keats for joining us in the studio today. I do have one final question for both of you. It's a little weird, I know, but I like to end every show by asking my guests if they'd like to plug a comedy show or a funny Twitter account or anything like that. So, Pope John Paul I? Uh, no, but um, anyone listening, if you have quaaludes, <laughs> uh, hit me up. Just hit up. Pope John Paul the first with a bunch of quaaludes and John Keats. Anything? Uh, yeah, f- follow uh, at Mr. Joe Mars on uh, all the social media at uh, Mr. Joe Mars. M R J O E M I L E S. It's it's great. Uh, not enough pictures of uh, nature, but mm-hmm. some. Yeah, yeah. Send him some. Uh, you you want to get your rocks off? You know. Yes. Send him some trees and mountains. He would really appreciate that. I would. And if you have any questions that you'd like to ask your favorite dead person, please email that to us at famousdeadpeople at radiofreebrooklyn.com. Uh, check out my book, uh, The Kellyanne Conway Technique. It is available for pre-order now. Uh, maybe by the time you're listening to this, it is available in a bookstore. So go out and buy it. It's super funny. I hope you really enjoyed that. Uh, we're here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio for Brooklyn. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Famous dead people. Famous dead people.